So Luke chapter 4, starting reading at verse 14. This is God's word. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went through all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? He said to them, You will surely say this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard and done, whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Then he said, Assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, and rose up and thrust him out of the city, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then, passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Then he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbaths. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Now in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is. For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. And the report about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Now he arose from the synagogue 
and entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever and they made request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever and it left her. And immediately she arose and served them. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, saying, You're the Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuked them and did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Now, when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. Amen. We thank God for this reading from his truth. Before we come to hear the preaching of God's word, let's pray and ask for God's help. Our gracious God, you are so kind to have blessed us with your word. And as we hear it today, we see the words of Jesus are powerful and come with authority. And so we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, we would hear the words of Jesus today. And that they would speak to our hearts with power and with authority. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, it has been quite a week in local politics, hasn't it? I don't know if we saw this coming last Sunday. It has been a a week of wrangling, a week of... People coming together and we have an executive formed as of yesterday. Something that we haven't had in a long time. If we look ahead to the week or to the year, sorry, that lies ahead of us, there's going to be plenty more politics to sink our teeth into, along with our eyes and with our ears. There are major elections coming up in the year ahead, both in the UK and in America. And so in this year that lies ahead of us, something we might get fed up hearing is the manifesto promises of all the political leaders. If you elect me, here's what I'm going to do for you. There's an old joke that goes, how do you know if a politician is telling lies? Well, their lips are moving. It's fair to say that as much as we want to believe and as much as we want to trust those in political leadership, the manifesto promises do not always come to pass in the way that they have been sold to us. But today we come to a passage in Luke's Gospel. And what Jesus does is lay out his manifesto for all to see. And then in the sections that follow, Luke goes on to show us, to to demonstrate to us, that Jesus completely and totally fulfills 
his manifesto. He keeps his promises and he makes his word real. And that's the main thing I want us to understand today. The main thing I want us to understand is that there is power in the word of God, in the word of Christ. It is powerful. When Jesus speaks, God works. His word is powerful. A couple of weeks ago, we left off in Luke's gospel with Jesus having been tempted by the devil. And Satan then withdrew from Jesus until an opportune time. And so we we pick up again today and we see that Jesus was led again by the Spirit to return to Galilee. He was led then by the Spirit to Nazareth. As it was his custom, we read, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And with some ceremony, he was handed the scroll to read from. In the congregation where I did my assistantship in Railway Street in Lisburn, there was a custom once upon a time, it's no longer practised, where the the caretaker or, or the sexton, as he was referred to, would carry the Bible into the meeting house at the start of the service, holding it high over his head. And all the congregation would stand as the word of God was brought into the room. He would place it in the pulpit and then leave. The minister would come into the pulpit to take the service and only then would everybody take their seats. And it all sounds a bit showy to us, perhaps. But it's actually maybe not that far removed from what happened to Jesus here in the synagogue on this particular Sabbath. We see here a really high esteem for the word of God which was about to be shared. Jesus read from the book of Isaiah, mostly from chapter 61. He adds a wee bit from chapter 58. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, Proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now a wee bit of background to this passage is probably going to be helpful for us. The book of Isaiah that Jesus was reading from contains many, many references to the poor, to the oppressed. It contains many references about captives. And in each case, the people who it's talking about are people who because of God's judgment have been placed under oppression or poverty and captivity. These were ways that God dealt with his people who had broken his commandments, who had disregarded his law. And what Jesus is really saying here is that the anointed one, this this one, the, the servant of God who has the spirit of God upon him, God's spirit-filled servant will set free those who are under God's judgment. He has come to proclaim the day of the Lord's favour. 
And this is made even more explicit because those listening would have known this. Jesus left a bit out of the reading from Isaiah. There is a bit about the vengeance of God, the the wrath of God towards his people's enemies. And so what Jesus is saying from this passage of scripture is that the servant of the Lord, the one who is filled with the spirit, he is the one who will bring salvation to God's people. And it's not just in a military or or a, a political sense. Not coming to to reestablish the nation state of Israel as one of the great military powers. He will come to set them free from the judgment and wrath of God against their sinfulness. Well, after reading, Jesus sat down. He stood to read. He sat to preach. You can see what he said in verse 21. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. They were astounded. The people were amazed. All bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And friends, we should be the same as we hear this today. This is some manifesto. Forgiveness of sins. Freedom from the bondage and slavery to sin. Healing from the brokenness of sin. Rescue from the poverty of sin. And Jesus is saying, here I am. I have arrived. It's about to happen. I am the one you have been waiting for. These are powerful words. And remember, when Jesus Jesus speaks, God works. And so the people react. They're not just filled with wonder at what he's saying, but they're also a little surprised at who's saying these words. The people say among themselves, is this not Joseph's son? Is this not Joseph's son? Now we're sort of in on the joke here. We know what's going on. Luke has been laying the groundwork for us. Jesus was Joseph's son in as much as Joseph was married to Mary. But we know, because we've read the previous chapters, that Jesus is far from being the son of a carpenter from Nazareth. We know that his father is God in heaven, that he was born of a virgin. And we're not surprised by what he's saying here. We have read about his wisdom. We've read about his insight, even as a 12-year-old. We've seen him do battle with Satan. We've seen him win that battle. But the people don't know that. And they're basically just saying, wow, this is the wee boy from our town. Joseph's son. Along with all of the political news this week, I'm sure you saw that there was someone, a young man from Castle Derg, who scored a goal for Liverpool. And everybody went wild about it. Or people on the news who were saying, I, I know him. I know his mom, I know his dad, whatever. That's what's happening here in Luke chapter 4. But Jesus perceives something else going on as well. He knows what's in their hearts. There's something in them thinking, how can we benefit from this? How can we get something out of this? It's amazing what he's saying, and he's one of ours. 
maybe we can make something out of this. Maybe we can gain from this. And so immediately Jesus cuts them off. He speaks a parable to them, a proverb. He says, physician, heal yourself. You will surely say to me, physician, heal yourself. Whatever we've heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your own country. Jesus had already been to Capernaum. He'd done many miracles. And so maybe they're thinking, we could get some of those. We could get some of those miracles. But that is not the primary reason Jesus has come. And he explains to them that that both Elijah and Elisha, two of the greatest prophets in the history of God's people, both performed healing miracles for people outside of the nation, for Gentiles, people who would have been looked down upon for a widow and for a leper. So the message of Christ is clear here. The kingdom, his kingdom, is not for Jews only. It's for all peoples. He has not come to set the Jewish nation free from the oppression to the Romans, but to set people free from sin through faith in him. His kingdom is not going to be confined to one town or even to one country. It's a worldwide kingdom for all people from all places. It was a really high privilege for the people in Nazareth that day to be there that day. They were there. I was there the day when the Son of God opened God's word and proclaimed it was about him. Those people from Nazareth didn't embrace that privilege. When they realised they weren't going to get what they wanted out of it, you see they were filled with wrath. They rose up against Jesus and they tried to kill him. But Jesus, well, he slipped away through the crowd and went on his way. This was not his time to die and so he was able to give them the slip. Friends, I do wonder how much we might be like those in Nazareth. J.C. Ryle says, people are apt to despise high privileges when they're familiar with them. Familiarity breeds content, is the way we might put it. We take lightly the privilege of an open Bible, a preached gospel, and the liberty to meet for public worship. And we should never take this lightly. When we come here on the Lord's day, Jesus speaks to us. His word is always read and always preached. And yet how many of us leave saying, didn't really get much from that today. We think it to be about us. We're like those from Nazareth, seeking to make worship what we want rather than embracing the privilege that God's word has been opened and that God has blessed us to meet with us by his word and his spirit. And friends, that's when we come to worship. You notice how it was for Jesus? What was his custom on the Sabbath? It was to go to the synagogue. Many people in our congregation 
come every other week, maybe once a month to church. And I've said this to many people privately. I'll say it again now publicly. If everybody connected with this congregation came out to worship on a Sunday, we would be surprised at how full the pews are. And let me also say this, it wouldn't only be surprising, it would be wonderfully encouraging. It would be brilliant to see how full the place is. The singing would be class. And we would leave feeling uplifted simply for having been here. We opened our service with those words from Hebrews, let us not neglect the meeting together. Let us not think it's here every Sunday so I don't need to go this week. The same Christ who preached in Nazareth all those years ago speaks to us today. And when Jesus speaks, God works. My friends, the sad truth, we see it in this passage, is that Jesus didn't stay in Nazareth. He graciously left them and went on somewhere else. We look at the church around us in our day, there is a decline in numbers and it should be a caution to us. We should not neglect the church because the more we neglect it, the more likely we are to lose it altogether. We are so privileged to have God's word and we have been privileged throughout our history, but we are not owed that privilege We cannot claim that simply because we are Ulster Protestants, we deserve the privilege of God's word. We can't be like those in Nazareth. Let's not be like those in Nazareth who came to despise something that was so familiar. Let us embrace the privilege which is ours to have God's word. To embrace Christ and his word in all the ways we can. Because when we do, Jesus speaks to us and when Jesus speaks God works we see that in the next few sections the works that take place here are are, are almost like sermon illustrations They're, they're illustrations of the gospel truth that Jesus has proclaimed from the book of Isaiah he is the one who has fulfilled Isaiah they act as a demonstration What they've heard in the synagogue in Nazareth really has been fulfilled in their hearing. Jesus moves on to Capernaum. And there he does the same as he did in Nazareth. He preaches on the Sabbath day. He proclaims the gospel. And as we look ahead to the end of our passage, verse 43, you see what Jesus says. He says, I must preach the gospel. I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. The reason Jesus was sent into the world was not to perform miracles. It was to preach the gospel. That's how important preaching is. The miracles themselves were a demonstration of the power that is in the word of God. When Jesus speaks, God works. I don't want to get us into the miracles themselves too deeply. I want you to notice that Jesus has power. His word carries authority. That's said a couple of times in our passage. 
He has power over the the spiritual world. He, He casts out demons. And he has power over the physical world, healing sickness. The word that connects these is the word rebuke. Verse 35, Jesus rebuked the demon. Verse 39, he rebuked Peter's mother's mother-in-law's sickness. And verse 41, again, he rebukes the demons. You see what the power is? The power is in the word of God. Are you picking that up? When Jesus speaks, God works. We're so often impressed in the Gospels by Jesus' ability to heal sickness and we long for him to heal us and to heal our loved ones. But these miracles of healing are really just a demonstration of the power that there is in God's word. When Jesus speaks, God works. And so everything that was said in the Isaiah passage, which Jesus read in Nazareth, is really telling us that what is important is the forgiveness of sins. Sickness, demonic possession, they are a result of sinfulness. Not the the sinfulness of the individual as such, it's the, the sinfulness of Adam, our representative head. And Jesus was not sent simply to heal physical sicknesses. That would have been a benefit for someone for a short time until they got sick again or until they died. But Jesus came to set the captives free. He came to to give us freedom from the sickness and demonic possession of sin and death. That's why he came. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. He is the Christ, the Son of God the Father, filled with the Holy Spirit. And he has been anointed to preach the gospel. The good news that there is freedom and there is fullness for sinners like us. And so his manifesto is demonstrated to be true. His word is confirmed. When he speaks, there are no lies. Jesus speaks truth, life-giving, soul-affirming truth. And when Jesus speaks in his word as it's read and as it's preached and as it's sung, God works in the hearts and in the minds of his people. So Jesus is the one in whom we should place all of our hope and all of our trust in the power of his word. Let me pray for us.